It is the World Wide Sports Radio Network. The Sports Headlist presents Smoking Mirrors with Declan Krogman and the Polius Brothers, Greg and Stefan, breaking down the biggest news in sports, giving you the stories behind the story, here for all the smoke, all the time, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're live here on Smoke and Mirrors on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're here with the one and only Chris Williamson. Uh, I'm Declan Krogman alongside Greg and Stefan Polius. Welcome. What else is there to say? Thanks for coming, Chris. We appreciate it, bud. Thank you so much. I, uh, I'm humbled that you guys wanted to have me on, and I can't wait to talk uh, talk sports and, and get into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, looking absolutely. forward to it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely I, looking forward. Glad to have you on. Just sitting here sharing some links, you know, yeah. want people to tune in. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, get some links going. It's Friday. Everyone's been. Uh, yeah, that's right. Speaking of Friday, week. Yeah, Steph has week. his uh, Friday attire. I appreciate I always appreciate I your do. Friday attire. I do. I got to start the weekend off right, you know, the orange slices right now. Casual <laughs> Friday. Yeah, you know, it's a casual, casual Friday. Friday. I like, I like yeah. to get people into the mood for the weekend, you know, so I'm like, my attire you. fits it. Okay, you better hit up the club. I mean, it's a, <laughs> virtually, <laughs> virtually, <laughs> unless I'm in Texas, I guess I can hit a club. <laughs> right? Yeah, Texas that's or Florida. True. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so let's get into it, Chris. Um, just you know, doing some background on you, I noticed that after Syracuse, shout out to your Orange Man. Um, sure. Even though we took you that know, out last night. Oh, <laughs> I, I, y'all, y'all bounce back. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, between there and in Wisconsin, you know, covering, you know, sports from high school to the pros, uh, a couple of your, your critics referred to you as the, a fake Stuart Scott. How yeah. did that make you feel and how did you find your voice after that? Yeah. So um, one of my bosses called me. It wasn't fake Stuart Scott. It was more so uh, Stuart Scott 2.0. And. I mean, when I heard that, I, one, I took it as a compliment. I mean, Stuart Scott, you know, rest in peace, uh, is one of the, the greatest uh, sports broadcasters, you know, to ever come up. Uh, and then, two, it was like, dang, you don't want me to get out of get out of here, like of Wausau, Wisconsin, where I was at at the time. And, it, you know, it was a struggle as far as, you know, finding my voice because I had to um, satisfy his you know, desires and, um, you know, make sure his ego wasn't crushed because I was killing it. But then I also had to make sure. I don't know. That, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had to make sure that I kept my um, my authenticity uh, as far as how I was developing my voice. So it was like a balance that I had to straddle. Um, yeah, I had to straddle that a lot of times where sometimes I would do something really, you know, out, out there and flamboyant. And other times I would rein it back in just so he would think just how I would protect his ego. Uh, but it, it, it was a it was a tough process that those two years in Wisconsin, but I would not trade it for for anything. I learned so much more so what not to do than what to do. But in the end of the day, I got a lot of experience and really honed my skills to where I am today. And now, would you say like the way you kind of protected, you know, your boss's ego and stuff, did you kind of allow yourself to make enough tape to where you could sell the image that you wanted to sell, but also kind of do what you had to do on the air to kind of protect his feelings? Yeah, I did. I did because I spoke to uh, Jay Harris on ESPN right. and I, I brought up the situation with him and he was like, yo, you, you need to leave uh, if, if this is what's going on because it's going to sacrifice your real at the end of the day, it's going to only affect you. So either you leave or you got to do what you got to do. And for me, when I got promoted to become the the weekday sports anchor for uh, the Fox show that we had, we bought the Fox affiliate during my second year. 
I was able to branch out and give some more of that creative flair and that energy and pizzazz that I wasn't able to do as much on our main station. And that way I was able to get enough of my reel to where it showed my true true self, my true identity as a sports broadcaster. Uh, but it, it, it was something that I, I kept in the back of my mind throughout my years because I knew this was only a stopping ground and it wasn't something where I was going to stay for the rest of my rest of my career. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, speaking about just like, you know, the early goings of it and like your experience, you know, in the industry, I was curious, what is some like, uh, what's a uh, a memorable like interview or moment you've had uh, throughout your career? Memorable interview or, or moment? That's a great, that's a great question. I would say probably that there, there's so many. Oh, so Final Four, 2015 Final Four, Wisconsin is playing the all hail undefeated, you know, Kentucky Wildcats and in Indianapolis. And they end up, obviously, everybody knows they end up beating them. Uh, the Wisconsin does. And they I'm played filmed, Duke that year, right? Yeah, they played Duke, yeah, in the championship game yeah. uh, where Grayson Allen ended up turning things uh, around and getting <laughs> their chances of, of winning the, the championship. But, yeah, so when Wisconsin beats Kentucky, I am stationed to film – the players coming in from the uh, from the court to the locker room, right for post game reaction. So we're standing in the hallway, all the f- photographers and other reporters, and Nigel Hayes, one of the guards forwards for the, the Badgers, comes running down, and he was like, "So are we? Uh, are we? Did we just beat an NBA team, or like are we better than the NBA team now?" Because you know everybody had talked up Kentucky, rightfully so, about how dominant and how much of an all time team they were. But that moment right there was extremely memorable because I don't think too many people thought that Wisconsin, even though they were great that year, that they were going to be able to take down uh, the Kentucky Wildcats and end their perfect season. So that was pretty memorable. Yeah, having that energy coming like coming in off of a big game like that, I can only imagine. <laughs> you, you feel you feel it, man, because yeah. when you're when you're reporting for a certain city or in a certain city, and you're covering these teams. You want them to do well because it makes your job easier. And when you see, and just from a fan perspective, when you see something like that happen, like you get energized as well, and you're feeding off of that that energy that's coming, you know, from the players and the and the coaches. Nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like I think that that's pretty funny, and especially knowing like some of the stuff you told me about, you know, going to Wisconsin. Like, didn't Aaron Rodgers like compliment your boots or something? Yeah. And that was yeah. Star Trek moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he did. He uh, one of the reporters, uh, one of the reporters down there in uh, Wisconsin, he worked in Milwaukee. He was like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. He, he said he really liked your boots. And after that, I was like, yeah, you can't touch me. <laughs> you know, like, like, what kind of Aaron. boots were they? No, they weren't Tim's. They weren't Tim's. They were some hardcore winter Wisconsin boots. I don't even, Mm. I think I still have them in, but they were like tan, a tan color. Uh, It came up to like, I would say a little bit below your calf and they look, they look good, you know what I'm saying? When they have to hold it down for the uh, for the winter, so yeah. Yeah, the the Green Bay, the Green Bay snow and the Lambeau wind chill. Definitely chill with that. Exactly. Yeah. Real quick before we get into more interview questions, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a bad rap in the press. Um, would you say that's accurate or it's inaccurate? I would say based on my experiences, seeing him, you know, the times that I went to practice for Green Bay in the, in the games, Aaron is a very aware individual of how everything works. He's extremely calculated and focused, but he's also refreshingly honest about a variety of topics. However, when he struggles, he can get snippy and he can be very, very defensive. And that that was something, it's funny because there was one time somebody mentioned to him, you know, you just said you, you've been struggling with your, 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 your throwing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And because I know I didn't, it's like he literally just said it like 30 seconds ago. Uh, it was 
it's just a, a moment where, dude, you got to check check your ego. I know you're one of the best quarterbacks, <laughs> one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but you literally just said, uh, you literally just said that and now you're refuting it. And he eventually apologized to to this reporter about it. So I think some of it is is merited as far as the the bad rap, but at the same time, you know, he isn't a he isn't a bad human being. He's just one of those guys who gets really sensitive when he's going through a slump. I don't he'll never I don't think he ever wanted to admit he was going through a slump, even though it was clear like that year they were about to I think they had a losing record and they're about to be uh, out of the playoffs. And then he said, yeah, we're going to run the table like that year. Oh yeah. 2016. I think. Yeah. 20, yeah. 2016. They beat up on the giants in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think that was the, the boat trip year for, for Cruz. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's Dec- Declan's favorite trip. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I was on it, man. I had Tim's, I had jeans. Like I would have been able to fit right in. You had the body, bro. You had the body. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, he got to see a whole lot more sunlight after after that package game. So I guess he needed to stay in, uh, stay wherever he was in Florida, or whatever. But yeah, that was a uh, yeah. Back back to your question about Aaron Rodgers. I think he he's a sensitive guy, but he isn't somebody who is a a bad teammate. I think he just expects a lot from people, and like a lot of people, when you're at the top of your game for so long, and then you have a a dip in that production in that um, success, then you're going to react. You're not going to react the best way. Gotcha. I mean, I can see that too, though. Like that's like a human reaction though, to that as well. Like Aaron Rodgers is just being a human and like getting a little emotional instead of like giving the company line or always just ready to like, just whatever you answer, I'm going to field it. And I think that's an expectation we have from all of our, like we expect that from players, but like when that, that moment does happen, maybe they snap, maybe they're not in a good mood. Maybe they have been in a slump. Like I, I, I understand that. Cause I don't know yeah. if I can handle that on a daily, every game you're getting, you know, interviewed what you did wrong and everyone's critiquing, not being in the film room, not being on the practice field, you know? Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's got to be annoying with the struggle for sure. And shout out to Pete. I was not nine years old. <laughs> I, I mean it, it sounded oh, when i read it man. i figured i was like it sounds about right <laughs> nah i was what was I? I what was that 20 i was like 14 then i, I was freshman close year. enough right. yeah okay, yeah whatever anyway uh kind of getting back to you chris um like since you've been on sny first of all we know you've been killing me we, we don't even got to get into that uh with this, yeah. with, this, with this baseball swing exits you know the uh good night beautiful people uh, you know, definitely some trademarks there at SNY. But so far, obviously, you guys got a connection to the Mets, connection to the uh, connection to the Jets, um, and even the basketball. I know you guys aren't the Knicks, like you know MSG. That's whatever. Uh, and yes, is the Nets, but you still got a basketball connection. What would you say your favorite thing about um, interviewing New York athletes is? Favorite thing about interviewing New York athletes, I guess, the unpredictability of what somebody's going to say that day just because there's so many there's so many groups of characters in that in the city where you can have somebody like odell beckham jr give you one word answers very tongue well not tongue-in-cheek just sly answers about whether he's going to play this is obviously when he was with new york uh and you're like do you think you could play if you're ready like i don't know uh i can't give you that answer it's not it's not that day to you know eli manning where he gives you the most company line possible <laughs> dry as uh, possible dry as possible so there's nothing that you can twist or misconstrue you know you saw maybe a little bit towards the end of his career when daniel jones took over and you could see on some of his body language you know how he's feeling but yeah i, I would say the, the variety of characters on on all the New York teams, shoot Kyrie Irving, like, oh my gosh, the the tangents he goes on and the soliloquy, all the sound bites, yeah, all all the sound bites, you know, both good and bad. Yeah. It's just you never know what somebody's going to say. Uh, yeah, so I would I would say just the variety of of characters that exist there make make it really fun to to interview them. Yeah, and now, kind of getting on the SMY track. Um, 
you have been hosting a show, I think since, was it May or June, uh, called Bigger Than Sports. Yeah. Um, which is where you talk to black athletes, black coaches, and, and kind of get their perspective on, you know, the social justice issues, not just in the NFL uh, or, or their respective sports and sporting, sporting leagues, uh, but kind of the country as a whole. How did that come about and how did that opportunity uh, kind of come your way? Yeah, so I think I started it last, I think it was last October or something. But it was more recent. I was I was kind of getting off track because I remember you posting a lot of videos, you know, right on from SMY talking social yeah. before the show. Yeah, yeah, I think it was last. Yeah, it was last year towards the end of the year. But to answer your question, so the the reason why I created bigger than sports was because I knew after the whole George Floyd murder and the Breonna Taylor uh, situation and Ahmaud Arbery, you know, being being killed for and running uh i felt like i needed to do something with my platform as as a black man who's very in tune with what's going on culturally and socially in america and being uh a child of two parents who were extremely passionate in their voices being at the not at the forefront but just making sure their voices are heard on civil rights matters it's something that's always been in the forefront of my mind. And I knew that I needed to make some sort of change, make sort of impact with the platform that I have. Uh, and so from there, it was a matter of whether it was going to be a, a personal enterprise or something with SNY. Cause if SNY didn't approve it, I was planning to do my own thing like you guys are doing and create my own niche, create my own platform, you know, outside of SNY, because people needed to, I wanted to make people uncomfortable because the audience that we have with the Mets being the Mets network, they're not as in tune. They're not as, I guess, informed or they don't care much as much about social matters as other people with other demographics. So I felt like I needed to use my voice in a positive way so that was the reason why I created it. And then two, they SNY felt like it was a good good thing that we need they needed to have on their platform. Absolutely. On their on their network. And they, they gave me the green light and then we worked out all the logistics and how it was gonna be formatted and then you know the rest the rest is history. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely think that the name speaks to the importance of the of the matter. Very you much know. so. You know, in in that same vein, I I I've gone through and watched the episodes and you know you could see that passion and that vigor when with the questions that you asked and just the subject matter and you know and one thing that i thought was was interesting one i wanted to ask was you know coming from you know the background that you have how does it feel to be able to produce a show like that on a major network because here we are doing something you know of our own making our own niche but you're able to bring that to a major network what is that like for you and also just as a black journalist what is what has that been like what has that experience been it's it's a great it's a good question great question i you know i think i've been so so caught up in the in the process of you know making sure to find the guest and then getting all the the pictures and videos and reviewing the tape and what questions mm-hmm. what answers we're going to keep and what questions or what answers we're not going to keep that i haven't really taken a step back to really appreciate what, what i'm doing and i would say it's it's been exhausting just some of the challenges that i've had to to deal with you know producing that show because i am the only i am the only black person in that space who is looking at the the interviews and deciding what goes and what what doesn't so when you're the only person when you're the only black person in that room on a show that's focused on racial and social justice and everybody else is is white and they see it from a different perspective it can be it can be exhausting however even though it is exhausting it's extremely rewarding when you see people who come on the show tell you how much they appreciate what i'm doing or other people leave you comments and say really really love the the work that you're doing with this show and how it's speaking truth to power so 
it go yeah, there's there are both sides to it but it's it's been exhausting on one end and then also very rewarding and i think as a black journalist you have to you have to fight for for not only yourself but for the for the race because if not who will and if you don't have this perspective on a network then that will just lessen the the overall impact that the network's able to have on the greater society and I, that's something that i was like nah we need to do this so we can target certain people who are going to have you know maybe knee-jerk reactions but at the end of the day it's going to get them to think in a different manner and hopefully it'll lead lead to change yeah uh, definitely i think i think as a society you know one thing we don't really talk about much is what it's like for black people to work and be in predominantly white spaces and be unapologetically black because it's frowned upon you know and, yeah yeah go ahead and with with you saying like you know the two sides of it the rewarding side and you know the struggle side um as an anchor in new york you know post george floyd given the the Knicks ownership lackluster response like how did that sit with you i you know most of these i saw yeah Declan gave me the the rundown some of the some of the questions and i it didn't surprise me man because mm -hmm. we we know what what james dolan is about and it's it's not being at the the table it's not being you know in the limelight for for racial equality or racial justice like they did they did the bare minimum when they put out that statement i think it happened like supporting black lives and equality for all whatever i think that was way way after like all the other companies and teams put out their you know perspective uh statements about you know fighting for for black lives there was a Matt, lag person. yeah yeah major major lag so it just felt performative, but it, it didn't surprise me because he, yeah, it, it didn't surprise me. Obviously I was disappointed, but it was not something I expected James Dolan to, to be out, out in front leading, leading the charge. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is what we expect. Uh, like might as well not even put out a statement if you're going to wait, <laughs> wait so true. long. I'm but, like, and, but and then put out right. a statement like that on top of it. Right. So I was like, my, I'd rather you not even put out the statement, but you know, that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of owners in the, in the league, as far as well, their, their main interest is making billions of dollars. And it's, which you can understand to a certain degree. And it's not about making positive uh, change for, for society. It's about getting, getting as much of those as they can. And, and yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't too too surprised about it, but definitely disappointing to to see that. Yeah, Greg, what was that? Now, now, first of all, we know. Listen, like we people have joked about Greg not being a Knicks fan anymore, but what Chris just said that is an. I feel like I can't speak for you, but I feel like that's an exact representation uh, of why you have jumped ship and for all the right reasons. I mean, I didn't get into it on the first episode, but that that's really what is. I mean, it was like. <laughs> James Dolan as an owner has pissed off Knicks fans for however many decades, but that was like the the, the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. No, so yeah. I, did, I denounced my Nick fandom on my on our first episode. <laughs> on the yeah, first the episode. Memphis Grizzly. Yeah, he's a John Morant guy now. John yeah. Morant, really. So mm -hmm. even if even though you see the success that the Knicks are having yep. right now, you're like, I'm good. Nope. He can't yep, come I'm back. Good. He can't come back because we won't let him hear the end of it. What All if right. they still cannot have him? I would let him back. I'm not even a Knicks fan, so I, I don't care. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I do care for the larger issue. But in terms of whether he goes back to the Knicks, if they sold a team, I would not have a problem with it. Not, not that they're going to sell anytime you, soon. You got to yeah. ask Steph because Steph is apparently the gatekeeper of Nick fandom when it comes I mean, to me. Yeah, for you, I it got is. the oranges on his shirt. <laughs> no, you know what? If they changed ownership, I would understand that because that's your main reason for like leaving. But if it was just because they're winning, superficial, man. I can't have that. Can't have that. Right. Can't come back. You got to just stay in Memphis. Stay in Memphis now <laughs> until ownership changes over, what and then you can come back. In, what was that team in Atlanta where? Um, and I think this this kind of caters to what Chris was saying about how the Knicks barely put out a statement. They only did it to follow suit. They you know they weren't speaking from their heart in their letter. 
What was the team, Greg? You sent it a couple, and you know, it made headlines. Are you talking about the Atlanta Dream, the Atlanta Dream, where, yeah. Where, yeah, the the Republican Congresswoman or whatever she is. I, I don't know if she's a senator or I forget what she is. Not anymore. Yeah, yeah, she lost that race, boy. Yeah, WNBA, yeah, WNBA really did their thing. They uh, they broke out the brooms uh, down in Atlanta, got her right out. But um, yeah, so she had to sell the team to. It was an ex player that she like refused to meet or something. Crazy. Yeah, Renee Montgomery. Yeah, Good. Renee yep. Montgomery. Yeah. The way the way Renee Montgomery mobilized needs to be something that's in the history books. Agreed. Right. I think just the whole WNBA though, right? Like, I yeah. mean, as far as activism goes, the WNBA did what other sports, major sports, have not done, right? They were they were united in that front. There was, you know, no one that wasn't fighting for the, you know, the social justice and this change that's much needed, you know. And and I think that's what that's what I would want from all the athletes that like I support and I care for. Um, and it's just unfortunate that the platform for WNBA obviously is not what it it should be. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation. But you know. I watching their activism was truly beautiful because it shows you there is a system, right? They made the paradigm for how you can bring about change using your platform. You know, I, 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 I to me again, it's something that can be replicated, but I don't know if that will happen. It's it's crazy because they, women, and specifically in this black women, are so how do I put it? They have been the leaders of making social change, you know, from, from day one, they just don't yep. get the credit because we live in a patriarchal society where women are, you know, put below men are not given their proper, proper due, but they're the ones who have been the, the backbone of society and they get treated like crap from everybody. And mm-hmm. so Seriously? to see them, to see them like Raphael Warnock, the guy who beat uh, Kelly Loeffler, Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Raphael Warnock was polling at 9% when I was doing my research. He was polling at 9% when uh, the WMA players, you know, made their stand and put on, you know, his name on their shirts to be like, yo, vote for this guy. And then he ends up winning, like, bro. That's, in, in Georgia, like, no less. Yeah. yeah, in Georgia. Yeah. In Georgia, man, where there's so much voter suppression mm. and – Lots of gerrymandering. Uh, you know, Brian yeah. Kemp was not happy about that. And, and he probably, Stacey Abrams really, you know, like he she helped her in the vote. Yeah. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Well, they try to change that now. All yeah. those uh, yeah. <laughs> voter rights uh, amendments. I mean, they, trying they, they're trying to do it sweeping across the country. I'm pretty sure there's like meetings in, in back rooms and <laughs> where they're trying to like Very come up with so. different legislation yep. to, to to suppress the vote. Yeah. But well, um. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Uh-huh. Well, one thing I did want to say was, you know, watching your show, you did have Jocelyn Willoughby on there. And I, I mean, all the interviews I've really enjoyed. That one was very touching, just, you know, getting a little bit more about her background and then her being active, like her first year, <laughs> you know, coming into WNBA and being a leader, you know, and I, I, I again, I found it, you know, very moving. And all, all of the uh, episodes you've had are just very moving. And that, and that passion is this. So I, I just wanted to say personally, thank you. Because while you're saying it's a lot of, you know, exhausting work on the front end, and even I'm sure the back end doing stuff, that, you know, as far as the editing or whatever it might be, but that product that you're putting out there is is amazing and i i was getting like you know little chills on my neck listening to you know some of the responses it was it's 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 very it's just very moving so yeah i, I just want to say thank you it's, it's been great content i really appreciate that that, that means a lot because sometimes you don't know how many people are it's affecting anybody so for you to say that it makes me know that i'm i'm doing something right and i'm and i continue to do it to the highest highest ability so yeah, man. Um, I love the Rep- representation matters like yeah. it does so much so you know and and as you as I say representation it just I watched your um your monologue about the lack of representation of black coaches in the NFL and that was re- really passionate and it's and especially in regards to Eric Bieniemy and how how successful he's been and then you have you know lesser coaches you know kind of jumping over him on the head coaching ladder and are you Campbell and the kneecap what is <laughs> <I know>. that? <laughs> um you know what 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 is your take on some of these excuses that you're hearing put out there uh as to why he hasn't been hired yet you know uh his past and things of that nature 
my reaction to those excuses are, I just laugh. <laughs> I just laugh. <laughs> it's just comical, right? <laughs> there is no legitimate excuse for why Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job. There's no legitimate excuse. The only reason why he doesn't have a job is because of systemic racism, right? And that's not to say every owner is explicitly racist, but based on how society or how America was founded and the 400 year head start that that white Americans got, this is why you have such a lack of representation when it comes to black coaches, because white coaches have been given a head start. Their their fathers, you know, have been head coaches. So you see, you know, Brian Kyle Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer, you see the Kyle Shanahan, and they can be good coaches, but they've been given a leg up. So when I hear people talk about his past, Eric Bieniemy, okay, sure, but you got Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer doesn't have. Oh, he is Jesus. not a great. So, he is a horrible judge of character yep. based on his track record. Even, even in this day and age, course. still hiring right. the guy from Iowa where they got fired exactly. for being outright racist. Yeah, and he which he didn't care about clearly. Yeah. Clearly not. Like, the guy resigned himself because even he was like, "You sure you want to hire me now in an NFL <laughs> franchise?" That's what we pressure. Really that's what you, pressure bud. does. Yeah, that that public pressure. So. Yeah, when I when I hear all these excuses, it, it makes me laugh because I know it's just a cover for for racism and prejudice. Like there's always some excuse, and and then at the same time, it's extremely deflating and disheartening because what is it going to take to change? We're not going to be just having one black coach hired or two black head coaches hired. You know, each year when there's a revolving door, uh, is not going to be significant or sustained progress. What will happen if we get when we get sustained progress is when we have like I don't know maybe half the coaches are black, half the coaches are white, and then you have people getting fired and this oh so and so got fired. Okay, cool. All right. Then another person, another black coach comes in or another white coach comes in, and there's more of an even playing field. But now when you've got three black head coaches in NFL, one of them is a lame duck and just put in to the Texan situation yep. so that they can have a black face taking the brunt of all this heat with Deshaun Watson. It's like, okay, we, we know what the game is here. We, we can see beyond the, oh yeah, we wanted to hire David Culley. He's the best person for the job. Like, so yeah, it's, because, because I don't, I don't, ownership has to want to care, right? Ownership has yep. to <clears throat> want to be open to, uncomfortable conversations and i don't think many if all i don't think many are open to that so it's it's like yo what do we got to do like i had tony dungy on the the bigger than sports show last last week and he was saying how you have to have every stone turn uh you have to look under every stone and you have to be intentional like are we really doing yeah. the best work mm -hmm the best research and evaluations for these coaches to get the to get the job. So it's a, it's a long battle, but you know, we know what time it is. So we'll keep fighting. Yeah, definitely. And shout out to Ray Jarvis over at the gray area uh, podcast in the comments said the coaching issue needs to be high spotlighted daily. You know, uh, the gray area, great friend of the, the uh, sports hitless network of shows. Yeah. Appreciate you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's they just sound like dog whistles, right? The excuses as to why black head coaches are not being hired, you know, whether it's uh, they don't interview well or, you know, in the case of Eric Penenemy, that, it's like, that he, he's as an offensive coordinator, he's not calling the plays. So, you know, to to I mean, say Trump, that. Yeah. Doug Peterson uh, wasn't calling the plays. Yeah, and neither was Charles Nagy. Nagy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nagy shouldn't even have a that, job That, that, that shouldn't come up. It just shouldn't be a part of the conversation. Yet it is, you know, but like when a white head coach is interviewing and it doesn't come up when a black head coach does, it's very obvious, you know, when you compare the two, what's at play here, you know, and, and, and to me, it's just a way of circumventing the, the Rooney rule where you're like, okay, we brought them in, we interviewed them. So we do what we have to do, check the box. And, and, and that, like I said, on, on it's, it's disingenuous, you know, I think yeah. you mentioned it earlier where you're just doing it to show face. We, we brought in a few black coaches. They didn't work out. Here's why move on. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, a rule that had to be put in place for, you know, this same reason is there now. And, you know, they're just finding other ways to get around it and still look like they're doing the good work that they need to do. It's, it's a slap in the face. 
slapping the face to the spirit spirit of the Rooney Rule. And they even modified the Rooney Rule where now it's like you have to interview two minority uh, candidates for the job. And I think maybe extended to the GM, but definitely the head coach, head coaching circle. And yeah, they've totally hijacked the purpose and the mission of the Rooney Rule. So it's like, yeah, we, we satisfied, you know, those rules back in 2003 when it was instituted. Now, now it's like, all right, we're, we're going to appear to show we're interested in diversity, but at the end of the day, we already know who our guy is, right? Yep. And that guy is usually not not somebody of color. In the comment section, Paul Lawson made a great point. Minority leadership is a, is a world issue, and it just we see it's a, a spectrum. Yeah, we yeah. see a portion of it in sports, but he said it, you know, it's the same. It's the same for Fortune 500 companies as well, you know, and and. I feel like the detractors in this particular instance say, oh, well, you guys didn't work hard enough without acknowledging the fact there are systemic factors that prevent us from getting to those positions. Even just look at how like things were written into law to prevent us from prospering. <laughs> yeah. You know, from this country's inception. They wrote laws. So to this day. You know, they had Jim Crow. They still, yeah, they still, yeah. still have you know, these policies. Who, who does gerrymandering help? You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that is allowed in this country. Like, how does that help out? Like, what communities are helped by gerrymandering? That's something that you would see as passive. But if we look at the history books, 50, 100 years from now, you'll be talking about it as a racist practice. It should be called out as a racist practice now, but not enough people see it as that. Right, gerrymandering, redlining, the yeah. whole whole nine yards. It's so blatant, but people only are going to see what they want to see, and that's the issue we're living in. And talking about how it's a microcosm for society, uh, you know, as far as you know, the disparity in people and positions of power who are uh, not black. Look at the look at the NBA. You know, look at how Steven Silas, the head coach for the Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to be out of a job in in two years because of the James Harden situation. Uh, you know, Demar uh, Demarcus, Demarcus Cousins, Cousins. left, yeah. and then you have PJ Tucker. He wants to be traded. He doesn't. He wants to go on a contender. That and it has he, nothing has to do to, with him. Nothing yeah. to do with him. None. He got he put has, in the situation. He wasn't right. even there last year. He wasn't. But what what has what happens is a lot of times the black coaches who get these dumpster fires, who get into these very dysfunctional environments for their first head coaching job, what choice do they have, right? Mm -hmm. do they, are they going to say no, and then they may never get a chance? Yep. Or are they going to take it, and then that will possibly ruin the rest of their career because they know, well, I don't have any other opportunity. I don't know when I'm going to get another opportunity. So I might as well take it, you know, I get the money, you know, help for the the wealth and the and the family, but it's it's really a a lose lose sometimes for for these coaches when you get into very uh, trashy situations. And just one last thing about this, so I don't I, yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the whole Dungey episode, but his his son was somebody who played college for Chip Kelly in Oregon, and you know there are multiple people in the NFL who wanted to hire him, Jim Caldwell and, and Chip as well when he was with the Eagles and as a, as a coaching assistant. And he said, no, I don't want to do that because I don't see the road. I don't see the path to advancing in this industry, in this NFL circle. So I'm going to go to another profession. When you hear things like that, this guy's, I think he said, he's, yeah, I think he's 29 years old. When you hear something like that, that just breaks your heart because yep. there's no reason why we shouldn't have uh, black people so discouraged to the point where now nah, I'm going to, I'm going to take a different route because clearly this profession is not going to get to me, get me where I need to go as far as getting to the top, you know, of the, of the industry. The system's working, right? I mean, yeah, that, that, it that's it right there as a deterrent. But I mean, we could we could keep you on here this whole time and, and, and talk to you about this for hours. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Just one last question for you. Uh, something just you know personal to us. Do you have any advice for us as we embark on this journey in sports radio? Anything that you can you know impart on us would be amazing. Any advice? Yeah, what specifically? Because I think it could go a lot of routes with, with that. 
I mean, I guess like just, you know, keep just like success or like, yeah, I know we're trying to stay true to like what our identity is here at Smoke and Mirrors, but like you being in it, creating something of your own, like being in some harsh environments, it seems like what keeps you going, motivated, like I guess in that direction, the kind of. Okay. What keeps me grounded is my, you know, my family, my girl, they always tell me, tell me the real, real deal. They, they don't never hold back as far as what, what my interviews look like or my performance on a, a podcast or a sportscast. I just got some flashbacks to my mother. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. My mother's always like, oh, you used this preposition wrong. You should have said it. It'll be like a great, be like a great segment, right? A great commentary. I'm like, yeah, you should have done it. And so I, I never, and my ego is, is very, very small because I'm always aware that when I go, yeah, I get that heat check uh, from my, from my family. And then what motivates me is not only my family, but also all the the young black boys and girls that, you know, aspire to be broadcasters or working in the the media industry. I know that just me being on TV has the potential to impact a black kid in a positive manner where they will say, mommy or daddy, I can do this, or I want to, I want to do what so-and-so is doing what Chris Williamson is doing because there is so much, you know, there is so much, how to put it. I feel like when you have a platform, like the one that I have, it's a, it's a privilege and you can't use it in a, in a way that is distasteful or in a way that's not going to benefit your, your people. Like you have to be very strategic and very intentional intentional is the word that i'm looking for mm-hmm. very intentional about it you know you can't use it recklessly and so that's what that's what motivates me because i know it'll be impacting impact to some kid that i don't even know about right so that's why every day i may not be feeling the best but when i step onto that set and that red light comes on it's showtime because somebody else somebody on the other side of the screen is looking at you for the first time right mm-hmm. so that that's what motivates me and then also i would say yeah stay true to your identity but also work on never stop looking for ways to extend your your range right like be as diverse as you can when it comes to your skill sets whether it's you know radio tv obviously you know the editing platform you guys uh got going on different things so that when somebody wants to give you a job or an opportunity, you'll be able to have a, a whole range of things that you're able to bring to the table and say, I'm the best person for this job. And here's why I got, I did X, Y, and Z and I'm doing stuff right now, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's, that's really important. And also being able to take constructive criticism and, Oh, here's the other thing that's really important. When people tell you negative things, in maybe about the show or just in life remember it's not about you it's about them don't take it personally do not take those things personally and this is something that i've come to understand more recently and i wish i had the understanding earlier in my career but you know that's that's the way life works Uh yeah you live and you learn that's the beauty of life but it's a reflection of their insecurities, their projections. If somebody says you can't do something, but you know you can, don't don't take it personally. <laughs> like, okay, that's you because they can't see it for themselves. They haven't been able. They have these things that they're not able to produce, or they haven't been able to succeed. So they put that on you, whether it's done intentionally or unintentionally. Again, it's not about it has nothing to do with you. So just remember that when people try to discourage you from things, and they may not have your best interest at heart. Absolutely. That was a very profound answer. It was. <laughs> you wanna, <laughs> Thank you, you very much for that. That was that was a Chris Williamson answer. This is a guy who, you know, we go we go back a few years now. Um we met like, you know, way before the pandemic. I want to say yeah. like 2018, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. 2018. Uh, yeah, and then we had him uh I had him on my high school podcast last year during the pandemic. And this is a guy we're like, "Yeah, man, we'll just get you in for like an hour, you know." We'll just talk sports. He's like, oh, cool, great. 
we started three. It's like seven o'clock. We're like BSing about Aaron Rodgers and his boots. We're like, dude, you're on here for four hours. And it's the same now. We, we're going to go one to one thirty. We're almost, you know, at the two o'clock at our hour show. So obviously, bro, we appreciate you. You're doing so much, uh, so much good on your platform and even educating our viewers. Um, and, and even myself, Greg, Steph, like we all really appreciate everything you're saying. Um, and there are always going to be ways to be better, whether that be in life uh, on this show or, you know, social justice issues in terms of that and just making sure you're on the ball always kind of being real and uh and then keeping everybody's best interest in mind i think you kind of hit the nail on the head with everything so obviously you know i appreciate you i tell you that a lot so uh hey man thanks for coming on thank you so much yeah. for having me this was a blast i think greg That's might have i don't know if he's got a last thing okay to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, the entire discussion. Like, it's really big for me, you know, as an educator myself, a history educator on top of that, you know, the social justice initiatives and things like that. It, it's, it really hits home. So I appreciate you coming on our platform and speaking about your platform. Uh, it means a lot. And um, before I go, two things. Um, as we were talking about our mothers, you know, uh, Ma Polius was in the comments. So I just want to shout her out. And she, <laughs> she said great content. So thank you, Ma. I appreciate you. You also laughed at a nine-year-old joke about me. So <laughs> <laughs> we might not be on talking terms. Because, you know, she uh, she will definitely let me hear it if she feels like I wasn't good on the air. <laughs> right. That's and um, mm -hmm. last but not least, just a random question for fun. Who is your greatest hip-hop artist of all time? Uh, greatest hip hop artist Damn. of all time. Hit him with a hard one. That's the toughest question today. <laughs> I, I didn't give him that one. In the, I thought I gave him everything. I was like, oh, I'm being so cool. Uh, him every question. Uh, 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 I did hear it on the uh, on the. but I didn't. I didn't know. Oh yeah, in the beginning. Oh yeah, sweet, in the beginning. I, I didn't know if y'all still gonna ask Snuck it. Snuck up on him. Yeah. So I would have honestly, I'd have to say. It's a popular answer. I have to say Jay-Z. I think Jay-Z is the greatest, uh, greatest hip-hop artist. Ray Chalmers said the Rap Roundtable is going to love that. <laughs> What's yeah. that? What? Uh, the Rap Roundtable is also a podcast that's a friend of the show, and he, the guy who runs it, Ray Jarvis, is a big fan of Jay. So. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, love, I love that show. Like The whole the whole spin <laughs> on everything that he gets on, gets on rap, I love it. So shout-out to Ray Jarvis. Uh, somebody throw the link in the description. Uh, what would you say your What would you say your favorite? Oh, wait, this isn't a podcast. Put the link in the comments. Uh, we're, we're visual now. Um, what would you say your favorite Jay Z uh, rap album is? Ooh, ooh, favorite Jay. Yo, you know what? I'm bad with names as far as albums and songs. Like my girlfriend, my my siblings, they all y'all tell you like I I can never name a song or I have lyrics messed up, but I love the song. I don't know why. Don't change uh, none. <laughs> yeah. But I would say my brother and I, we were listening. We were in the car, uh, I think a couple months ago, listening to something, listening to one of Jay-Z's albums. And I feel like, what was the album where, uh, yo, the Blueprint? Uh, Blueprint? I think it's the blueprint. The blueprint, yeah. Does that have uh, a <laughs> yeah. read yeah. Ray Ray yeah. actually commented as you said blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, allow, uh, the one allow Ray, Ray said blue, he said allow blueprint cough. <laughs> <laughs> he said yeah, yeah. That, I was just that's trying to yeah. Public service announcement. That was yeah, yeah. Jay Z. Yeah, that's on there. Yeah, allow me yeah. to reintroduce. Yo, yeah. Speedy, go look that up. That that song's Not gonna take us out today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Blueprints got me my my favorite album. Like there was no no bad song on that. Listen straight through. I'm sorry. I like that. so that I don't want to say that was before my time because like it, it was it was I was young. You just said you graduated high school last year, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Listen, listen. Anyway, I'm like Watch the Throne was fire with Kanye, obviously. Yeah. Um, but even the Lincoln Park album, like that bridged the gap between rock yeah. and hip hop, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's part of Maybe, what makes right? him so dynamic. You know, that's why I hold him in such high regard in terms of you know his hip hop influence and and ability to you know cross over different platforms and and genres. And to see where he is now, it's uh it's remarkable. Went from selling drugs to you know being selling title. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, that worked out real well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a he's a he's a uh, a mogul, a billionaire mogul. Declan right. threw you the alley, Chris. That he was did. I got you. Like like Blake Griffin, uh, if he still right. does that on the next. Ah, yeah. damn. I don't know. can't be Blake on the nets of all people. Come on, man. He can't even jump. Yes. Well, that was my. Well, he you know he well, jumped over a Kia. Shout out to Kia. Wait, that's not our sponsor. Shout out to Kia anyway. Yeah. What was you gonna say, over, Chris? He jumped over like what five? I don't know, five, six years ago, whenever that uh yeah, contest ago. was. Yeah, it was, it was five, it was six ago. years ago. I, I remember I was in fifth grade, that was at least eight years ago. Okay, yeah, even, even worse, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, we're gonna see what uh we're gonna see what Blake's gonna do in Nets. But I really appreciate y'all having me on. It's been Thank so, you so much, fun. Man. Dude, I'm glad to help out any way I can, you know, in the future. So uh yeah if you ever need anything just holler no problem love, love having you on this, this is the co- the comment section loved it too yeah man they're yeah. loving you <laughs> yeah. definitely man. definitely a fan favorite you want to take my job that <laughs> <laughs> nah, boy got his own job yeah uh but seriously chris thanks for everything man and listen i know we keep joking like that i'm five years old or whatever um <laughs> but this is a topic that, especially me as you know, a white teenager coming up in New York City, um, it's extremely beneficial to be more and more educated about it every day. And you know, between Greg and Steph, Greg, as he said, is a history educator. This is stuff he puts in my mind uh, and really helps helps kind of drive the point home. So I, I can see. Listen, it's a responsibility for everybody in this country to, to see it the way it should be seen and to tell the story how it should be told. Uh, so I really appreciate you. Um, on a, on a big level, honestly. So I don't really know what else to say. Um, so just thank you, man. You, you know how I feel about you, like I've said already. We uh, we talk quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you all. It's It's been an honor. And I don't don't say that that lightly. Anytime I can come on, you know, a show like this and, you know, speak my – share my story and hopefully inspire people and have a great group of people to have a conversation about that. It's been a great day. Absolutely. Awesome. Appreciate those words, man. Well, take yeah. care. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday and uh, have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. You too, man. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Take care. I look forward right. to seeing your lovely Instagram stories uh, as the yeah. night progresses. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, before before we go, can you just give uh, the people your social media handles? Yeah. Yeah. Throw it out yes. there. yeah so Instagram is C Williamson TV nine, C Williamson TV nine on, on Instagram. And then, on Twitter, it's C Williamson forty four. Once again, C Williamson forty four for for Twitter. That's where you can find me and all my opinions and tweets and <laughs> takes. And hopefully, you'll you enjoy and hit that follow button. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Chris, you want to take oh, us to? You, I don't know if we're doing a commercial break, but uh, you want to take us to the break? Are. I kind of, I really want to hear this. I'd love, I'd love to hear, you know, uh, take us to the break. Beautiful people. Uh, Whatever you, uh, whatever you feel like throwing in here, man. Whatever I feel like. Oh, oh, me too. Okay. We're real here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, well, it's been a pleasure being, I'm going to go into my <laughs> voice over. <laughs> Yo, what a code switch, man. <laughs> it's been a pleasure uh, being on this show uh, with everybody involved. And good afternoon. To all the beautiful people in this world, we really appreciate the time and generosity that has been shown through all of the participants. And we will see you next time. Make sure you stay classy. Nice. There we go. That, that was great. It, man. Thank you. It was horrible. It was horrible. But it was okay, it's all right. It's fine. Now, hey, yeah. hey. Thumbs up for us. <laughs> we never had anybody think us out before. So, <laughs> uh, listen, thanks, bud. I really appreciate it. Uh, your Instagram handle. Hold on, I can pull this up quick because Greg's mom was asking for it. Okay. Uh, it is C Williamson TV nine. Uh, yeah. You can check him out on the gram, uh, and C William uh, C Williamson forty four on Twitter. Uh, always bold, uncensored as they should be. Real ass takes. I'm gonna yes, say sir. that. Yes, Maybe sir. Not. What else, bro? That's that's the vibes. Anyway. You're listening to Smoke and Mirrors here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Declan Krogman. Thank you, Chris Williamson. Stephen Polius, Greg Polius, Speedy, our boy producing. We'll be right back. It's-
It, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio This is Smoke and Mirrors on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's 2.05 here on Friday, March 12th. Uh, I'm Declan Krogman, alongside Greg and Stefan Polius. Welcome back to Smoke and Mirrors. Like I said, it's 2.05. We are five minutes over. We had a great segment with the one and only Chris Williamson of SNY. We dropped all of his socials in the comments. Guys, with an interview like that, conversation like that, there's really nothing more left to say. Enough said. Uh, Unless you guys have any final thoughts, uh... Or whatever. I know Manny's been talking about Greg behaving himself today. <laughs> <laughs> I've indulged him because they're really funny. Yeah, that last one was pretty funny. I, I missed it. I didn't see it. I got to check it out. Oh, <laughs> I, I think you should wait until we're off air to check it out. Um, but no, I, I, it was a great interview. Uh, again, shout out to Chris Williamson for coming on, uh, imparting a lot of knowledge, not just on us, but all of our listeners and anyone who goes back and, and watches this interview. Um, it was great having him on. Um, I'm 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 really happy that he 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 came on and 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 you know blessed our our show uh, first interview uh, that we've really had on here so it, it was amazing for me great way to start my weekend I'm energized right now but yeah, I hope everybody that's else is too I totally and it's nice weather uh, it's like 62 degrees so everybody go outside everything is seen. Marty's excited about this weather all right he's that's on the true. other side now. Yeah, I, fl- I flipped him. You know, Marty Marty liked a little bit on the left, not the right. So we're doing a little left. Actually. Marty is a show staple. We always got to shout out Marty every show. I believe we but, should. Uh, yeah, him. before we get out of here, I, that, I haven't done many interviews because I'm still new to this space. But, like, that was an interview that will forever be etched in my head, you know, because it was so powerful so many different levels yeah totally that, that's a, it's a it's a monumental stuff and obviously like in general you know given age but also with race and stuff like that it's such, just such an important conversation um and it can't be uh is educated on the subject and definitely and, uh, i mean i don't know what what more there is to say guys. no i mean for the fans that are still watching we appreciate you guys being here uh, uh um, we had a whole rundown, you know, because Chris- as long as possible. He's just <laughs> such a great guy in that regard. <laughs> the conversation was just flowing, so it didn't make make sense to cut it off. Um, but we will come back to you guys on Monday with some topics. You know, Declan made some crazy uh, assertions about the Jets offseason. Uh, there's the Dak and Lamar debate that's been firing off in the sports hit list. That, by group. the way, Chris Williamson is on my side with, but. I wish we would have been able to get Ooh. to that with him, but uh, Ooh, we had that more. would have been nice. Pressing need. This is, we had more pressing, more pressing conversations. There's always next time. Dak and Lamar, you know, God forbid, knock on wood. Great I, weekend, I, yes, everyone. I'm sorry. I just want to put Steph. one last thing out out there. I was on the B show uh, last night. Yes. Uh, and I did mention that the uh, Nets were going to beat the Celtics. Some people in the comments were saying it was going to be a landslide, 30, 20, 30 points, 12 points. I mean, someone was right. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> shout, out to you. Oh, shout out to you Celtics, bro. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that's tough. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. anyway, You're a Celtics fan too, you. Yeah, but like I'm I don't know. I'm a Celtics fan like Taco Bell's Mexican food. I don't really care that much. I'm inauthentic <laughs> to my basketball fandom to the Boston Celtics. I'm that was like, good. That was good. Yeah, whatever. All right, guys. Oh, that note. On that note, what better note uh, as we look at Steph's shirt? Dude, when you asked him advice, I was really about to jump in and say, like, oh, maybe he's asking for some fashion advice on the shirts. But I'm just like, nah. My, my boy, now you got the clean. You got the clean. I'm not even going to say nothing. It's fire, bro. You got the chain popping. We both got the, we both got the Jesus piece. You know, <laughs> I, got, I, got two, I got two things today. But, yeah, we, we the fashion advice on Smoke and Mirrors is uh, we should be the fashion police. No, nah, we should not. Uh, so that's what the B-show is for. Let's people off to the weekend already. Let's do that. Yeah. Greg, Damn. Uh, Greg, as you can see by Greg's headphones, he's got a, 
a burning desire to go play some Call of Duty after the show's <laughs> over. So let's not hold him up any longer. Shout out to the B Show, by the way. Steph was on yes. another great episode last night, Thursday at five o'clock. Uh, Deborah Voltier Coulange uh, is the host. I was her first guest on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I don't know who approved that. What a horrible idea. Uh, no, great show, obviously. Uh, from today with Chris Williamson and, and from Deb last night on the B Show. Shout out to her. Uh, we're ready to go, guys. So uh, we'll have Chris Williamson's favorite song playing out uh, as we send you guys to the weekend. You'll be watching Smoke and Mirrors here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Declan Krogman. As for Greg Polius, Stephen Polius. We'll see you next time. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Uh.